Why do people become CEOs? How do they really spend their time? And if you're not one already, how might you become a CEO? My name's Matt Crabtree. I'm the founder of a management consulting company called Positive Momentum. And in this series of podcasts, we're going to be asking CEOs from a range of industries tough questions about their past, present, and of course, their view on the future. We'll learn who influenced them most, what they defend in their schedule at all costs, and the big changes they see coming up on their horizon. This is Meet the CEO. My guest today is Tiku Patel, CEO of Blue Motor Finance, a fintech ranked by the Financial Times in 2019 as the number one fastest growing company in Europe in their FT1000 rankings. Blue Motor Finance delivers innovative, tech-enabled car financing solutions and to date has lent more than £1.5 billion to more than 150,000 customers. Tiku, welcome to Meet the CEO. Hi Matt, thank you. It's great to speak with you. And you too, and you too. It's been too long. Now, um, you've held senior executive roles at Kingfisher, at Barclays, at Experian, at PRA Group, and now as CEO of Blue Motor Finance. In fact, you and I have known each other for nearly two decades. So I know with certainty you've got lots of really great experience to share with us. But let me start by asking you the question we ask all of our guests, actually a question I've never asked you before, so I'm fascinated to learn the answer. Why did you become a CEO? Yeah, thanks, Matt. Straight out the gate, a tough one, eh? Well, I, I didn't set out to become a CEO. Uh, you know, indeed, at school, all I wanted to do was really be a professional cricketer, uh, and if not, be a PE teacher. So I failed miserably in achieving those goals. Um, I had to set off in in the world of business, and actually, my first goal was actually to get financial security for my family. And I thought the best way to do that was to become as good as I could possibly be personally. So in terms of skills, capabilities, and you know, you know, experiences and so on, and then use that capability to contribute as much as I could to the team and the business that I was in. And then if that was successful, then it would throw up interesting opportunities and you know be successful. I thought that if I did that and did those things and the business was successful, then then I would always be in demand, but there would be you know bigger challenges. Um, uh, that the company would face that that I would get uh, that would help, you know, again, improve me further and help me contribute further. And so there'd, there'd be this kind of positive virtuous circle. And I thought if I could get into that, um, then actually the financial security bit would look after itself. And that's what I really tried hard to do and have done actually all the way through my career. And actually, I think becoming a CEO just ended up being part of that. It was the next opportunity to face a bigger challenge to get better. You know, it's, it's fascinating doing these podcasts. It's a really consistent message from everybody we've interviewed, which is I never set out to be a CEO. You know, I set out to be one of our recent guests said, you know, just the best version of myself that I could be. And that you espouse that same spirit, which is just work on work on myself, and and actually the financial rewards, and if if you get the leadership roles, that that'll just follow naturally, assuming that you focus in that way, right? Mm, absolutely, and, and I'm still working on that right now. That's it's 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 continuous, and so say all of us. 
and yeah. so say all of us now let's let's get into some specifics we love to talk to ceos about how they structure their time because i think there's often a lot of mystique um around that so what part of your day is sacrosanct tiku what do you preserve at, at all costs in your schedule yeah um I'm, I'm definitely a creature of habits and i believe for me anyway i believe that good habits help me to achieve more you know through my day uh, they help me to be happier they actually help me to be healthier um yeah all of those sorts of things are, are i think for me personally it's not the same for everyone for me personally i help my habits so um yeah i would just say that the word sacrosanct suggests that there are absolute must-dos it's not quite like that for me you know that but these are the things I really like to do, but I don't beat myself up if it doesn't happen every time. Um, so some of the things that matter to me in terms of my habits, and they're not they're not all daily. Some of them are weekly. Okay, so so one of the ones that is absolutely I do every single week, and I can't remember the last time I didn't do it, is every week on a Sunday I go through and deal with every outstanding email and matter that I have on my plate um, ahead of my working week. And from that, so and from that, I write a list of the few, it's a very limited number of bigger picture or more impactful things that I really want to get done in the coming week. They could be work related, but they could be personal related. It, it might be something to do with my, my fitness or whatever, but I'll write a few of those things down. Um, that way I have a clean entry into the week and also a clear view of some simple goals of what a successful week would be. My team also know that I will read everything that they send me by some Sunday night. Although I'll be honest with you, I don't think they're as fond of me replying, which is what I did, do do on a Sunday night. So they're not so fond of those replies, the deluge that they get then. Um, every day, my alarm goes off at 5.30 a.m., you know, Radio 4. Uh, I just catch the end of the uh, shipping forecast, which is nice. And I'm up and about by 6 a.m. I always do some sort of exercise. Uh, even if that's just for 15 minutes. But if I get a bit longer, then I'll I'll do a, a little bit more of a, of a routine on that. Um, yeah, I, I, I carry a reminder of, uh, you know, I've carried this reminder actually around with me. It's all dog-eared and beaten up <laughs> for, I think, about 20 years of, of things that I want to do every day, uh, which I just look at every now and then. Uh, so the five things that I, I'm looking at it now is, is one, make someone's day two, call, don't email, three, finish something off, four, learn something new, and five, do the right thing. And I just look at it and remind myself, you know, occasionally, I won't say every day, you know, once a week or so, and, and have I done that? And one thing I'm really trying hard to do is read every day. So I'm trying to read for 30 minutes at this point in time. It doesn't have to be a business book, minimum of 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be a business book. Um, it can be anything. So I'm currently reading Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. I've read, you know, one of his other books and is very highly recommended by a lot of people. I've just finished Flash Boys uh, by Michael Lewis um, and so on. And I, I'm really, really enjoying that. So, sorry, a long-winded answer, but lots of habits in there. Well, a, a smorgasbord of, uh, of things to, uh, to kind of pick from there. I mean, really, really amazing. I love the five things on your card. I, I now know, having watched you speak at many conferences, where those things come from, because I know that you espouse those, those just simple principles that can, they're so obvious, aren't they? Call, don't email, make someone's day. And yet, 
at every level of business, if you don't get regularly remind yourself in the busyness, these things slip, don't they? And so that regular reminder, I also love the sentiment of not beating yourself up if stuff doesn't happen. Okay, let's just remind myself, re reposition, reboot and go again. I think that's a, it's a great way of thinking. Right. And, those, and those little things, I really enjoy them. I mean, it's a great feeling to make someone's day, you know, you've done a great job or you know, take my seat on a bus or whatever it might be. Very good. Very good. So let's talk about about challenges. Um, as I said at the top of the recording, you know, there are you've worked in lots of different organisations and obviously it's been um, a pretty extraordinary last uh, 14 months. You know, we're recording this as uh, please. The pandemic is uh, is slowly coming to an end, at least in this part of the world. Um, either including or beyond the current circumstances, what's been the most challenging event or situation that you've encountered as a CEO and what have you learned from it? Um, most challenging event, it, you know, again, I think this is a, this is a, 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 a difficult situation, um, a difficult question, sorry. From a personal perspective, I think the most challenging situations have been where I've not really been able to do what I believed was the right thing to do. I'd actually, you know, I have thought thought about this a little bit, and I don't really want to go into specifics and details, but I can think of, you know, certainly three separate occasions in my career where I've known what I wanted to do, knew it was the right thing to do, knew there was a substantial long-term benefit in making that call, but for whatever reason, I couldn't do it. And I think though, you know, these circumstances were challenging, you know, reflecting on it now is, is because they were forcing me to compromise on my values. And, and that was a real struggle. Um, you know, and the reasons for these is there were other stakeholders. I mean, it's, it's interesting. You think the CEO, you're in, you're in charge of your destiny. It's actually not always true. <laughs> there are lots of other stakeholders who have big parts to play and who bring to bear influence on situations. And in these circumstances, it meant I couldn't execute in the way I, I, I thought was needed and necessary. In two of these situations, I actually ended up leaving, you know, choosing to leave the organization. One was pretty quick, um, you know, and it was a direct you know, consequence of it. I mean, basically, you know, I thought the business should be doing this and they thought the business should be doing something else. And, you know, they were poles apart. And one led to something, you know, led to me leaving a little while later because it just wasn't, didn't feel right. Uh, after that, you know, it's interesting, you know, just talking about COVID, you know, there have been other situations where actually it's looked really tough for the companies that I've been in. You know, this crisis being one of them, as I just said. Um, I mean, for Blue, this crisis was a real threat to the business's existence, but that didn't feel as challenging to me personally as those other situations, because we as a team were all pulling together. We were all working in the same direction. Indeed, the challenge was more energizing than anything else. Um, I always felt that we were going to get through it because we had bright, capable people, you know, commercial people working together. So it may have looked worse, but actually it was it was easier. Does that make sense in any way, shape or form? <laughs> it, it makes a great deal of sense. And I, I suspect, as you know, many other CEOs and exec teams have had a similar experience. And we're, we're going to talk a bit more, actually, about the team in a, in a little while. But I do... I do think it's really interesting this sort of myth that the CEO is this sort of 
utterly in charge individual. We've all got bosses, right? <laughs> We've all got bosses. Oh, well, but- no. <laughs> I think many of us would say the same thing, um, <laughs> um, but we've all got bosses, and it's a it's a myth, isn't it? And and actually, yeah. but in the CEO's role, you do you you take a risk, and you have a decision to make at certain stages. And uh, if the decision that you have to make is in support of your own values, then that's always going to be the right one to take. It's clearly done you no harm at all. So let's move on a little bit, um, uh, maybe to specifics this time, or you can talk about people generically if you prefer. Who's most influenced the way you lead in your background? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there is a, a single person. Uh, yeah. One of the things is I've been incredibly lucky to work in some really world-class businesses and with some fabulous people and some fabulous leaders. And I think I've learned from each of them. I mean, if I you know think back, I mean, Kingfisher was a brilliant business. It was so customer focused. You know, we believed that if we could do, you know, if we could develop something that customers loved, then actually we'll work out and engineer the economics to make it financially successful. What a brilliant approach. You know, let's just try stuff with customers. And if customers, you know, buy that stuff in that format with that experience, well, we'll work out how we can make it financially successful. That was brilliant. Um, you know, so finding that customer proposition was the most important thing. A great, a great place for testing stuff and seeing how customers reacted. I mean, Barclays had some of the most talented managers to be the business that I've ever, ever seen. You know, their ability to deliver was outstanding. I really learned about talent development there. Uh, Active Capital, when I worked there, that introduced me to 15 different European cultures and very different ways in, in how to think about credit, but also, you know, how, it was extremely collegiate, but also commercial. Yeah, you know, I've learned there isn't a single leadership style that works everywhere. It's important to adapt to the environment, you know, to the market, to the business, to the people that you're with. Um, and, you know, as I said, even now, I try to learn from everyone. Uh, uh, I mean, I play golf. And one of the things that I I think about when I, you know, when I go to golf and play with some people I've never played before is actually let me find out a little bit something about them. In fact, I've got something from you. You know, be interested and not interesting. And I try and do that. So, uh, you know, whatever some people are passionate about, you, you, you'll find that they'll, they'll, there's something that you can learn from them. And actually, I really enjoy that part of it. No, you're, you're learning and developing, I guess. Yeah, you're very, you're very generous, but also, you know, very, um, I know, uh, personally, very committed to that way of thinking. And that thing about leadership, you know, not not being one way, being able to having to apply to different situations. I think most leaders, in fact, probably all leaders know that intellectually. But until you've lived through different contexts, different cultures, different organizations, different challenges. It sort of doesn't mean anything until you've lived it practically and 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 you clearly have. Let's really go even more specific and now talk about executive teams because you've been both a member of many executive teams and now led a few of your own. And those are also amazing territories for learning, aren't they? What's the secret in your view to a really effective executive team? Yeah, I, I actually don't think there's a secret. I actually think it's obvious. <laughs> uh, I always think about the, um, 
you know, one of the examples I think about is, you know, the Ferrari two second pit stop. And how do they do that? And if you've ever seen that, it's just unbelievably amazing. And, you know, it's great individuals. Yeah, doing that pit stop, every single one of them is brilliant at their job. But they're also then working as a team, you know, fantastically as a team to get that car in all four tires changed and out within two seconds. It's brilliant. Um, you know, everyone has to do their job fantastically. The guy with the, picking up the nose cone at the front has to be the world's best nose cone picker upper. He's designed his device to do it as well as possible, not break the car and get it out of the way. The driver has to do his job. He has to stop absolutely on the mark. You know, so it's it's that. It's it starts with individuals themselves. Yeah, great values and principles, good capabilities, willing to learn and improve and be the best that they can very be. Uh, their ability to be clear on a and secondly to work as a team, to to be clear on a common goal, to work selflessly for the team in the pursuit of that goal. So I, I don't think that's a secret. The challenge is, the challenge is it's easier said than done. You know, openness, straightforwardness, selflessness, you know, they sound obvious and easy, but actually they're probably a little bit rarer than they should be as attributes. Um, you know, it takes effort and commitment and a, and a leap of faith, I think, for teams to achieve this. Um, you know, you've got to give to get. And not everyone, I think, has the maturity to understand that. And that's the challenge. I think you're so right. The, the phrase, it's a leap of faith. Um, I think you, you and I have been in rooms with teams on more than one occasion where we've just try to get people to just take that step to fully trust each other and it's tough it's not anything to do with intellectual capability or competency you know you've been as i've been surrounded by some incredible people but that leap of faith that just says i'm going to trust you because we've got the same goal and we're trying to do the same thing in this organization it is tough but it's why leaders like you matter because that's a never-ending challenge it's a never-ending piece of work and it's why the role of ceo is so critical now i know we're running out of uh, your time um if nothing else so um a couple of quick last questions yeah, yeah, sure. big changes on the horizon for you what's the what's the biggest change in your windscreen uh hurtling towards you that you contemplate on sunday evenings when you're uh, writing your list the, the auto market's got a lot of changes ahead of it but i think the biggest one which we've seen all the way through this this covid is is just the changing habits of consumers of customers you know, as technology continues to develop and change what is possible i mean even this lockdown has already transformed the way that consumers are buying cars um buying used cars uh i mean just as our business you know looking at our business our overall efficiency levels are half what they used to be which means that we get for the same number of applications we're doing half the deals because more customers are going online, they're doing more applications, but they're less likely to do a deal. The old, you know, go into a showroom, touch and feel the car still exists, but it's less of a less of a factor now. So that whole change in customer habits is a is going to be a massive thing for us, you know, driven by technology. There's a load of other things, but that's probably the biggest one. We we think we've seen change don't we in our in our careers in our generation we think we've seen all these changes the the internet the dot-com crash the financial crisis but this is feeling like a tectonic one isn't it in terms of things like consumer behavior as you say there are many others to add to it but 
I think we're going to look back on this period in 10 years time and see it as being yet another huge shift, but maybe one of the biggest shifts in, in our generation. Anyway, time will tell. Um, talking of time, uh, last three quick bits of advice. Um, Tiku, lots of our listeners are either thinking about maybe being a CEO. Some of them, I hope, are CEOs. Uh, and even if they don't want to be one in the future, many, many of our listeners have to work with CEOs on a very regular basis. Three quick pieces of advice for anyone aspiring to become a CEO? Um, I, I think this is just general advice, actually, not just, just to be a CEO, um, generally just to be the, you know, a good person to make the most of yourself. I think first, just get better. You know, just learn, be as skillful, be as capable as, as you possibly can. Maybe secondly, work with, you know, brilliant, different people in terrific businesses. They could be small businesses, they could be big businesses, they could be declining businesses, they could be growing businesses, it doesn't matter what they are. They could be underwater businesses, who cares? But work with brilliant people in terrific businesses, you will get so much out of it. And then my third one is be selfless, be a giver. You will get it back in spades, trust me. You know, it's, it's you don't know where or when, but it will all come back. Um, and you'll also be happier, in my opinion. Well, Tiku, as you quite rightly say, whether you are a CEO, a leader, a non-leader, or whatever your situation is, those are cracking, cracking bits of advice. Thank you so much for being with us. I, th I think I speak for many when I say we're quite glad that the cricketing PE teacher thing didn't exactly work out, although I know you spend many happy hours watching and even commentating um, on cricket. <laughs> um, so I know it's a very big passion of yours, but we're, uh, we're very, very glad to have had you on Meet the CEO today. Thank you so much for your time. It's, it's great catching up with you, Matt. Thank you very much. Hosting these podcasts has taught me that being a really effective CEO requires almost as much focus on the little things as it does the really big things. And that chat with Tiku was a perfect example, wasn't it? From at least a little exercise every morning, all the way through to career decisions based on staying true to your values. I hope you agree there were lots of real world experience examples in there for leaders and non-leaders alike. That commitment to lifelong learning shone through yet again, didn't it? As well as that obvious but easier said than done imperative for executive team members to continually work on operating selflessly together by taking that, as Tiku describes it, leap of faith to simply trust one another. As ever on Meet the CEO, lots to reflect on there. But if, like Tiku, you're thirsty for more, then click subscribe and get every episode the minute it comes out. Thanks for listening. And if you're liking our work, then show the world with a quick rating or maybe even a witty comment. In the meantime, I'll look forward to welcoming you to the very next episode of Meet the CEO.